0: Welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Thursday morning, April 2nd, 2020. He is Tristan, Sultan of Stat, winner of leagues, consumer of bacon and chicken parm. He just put on his socks. You can't see it because we're on Skype and you're not, but he just put on his socks. There's Kyle Soppe pushing all the buttons that he has left at his disposal, researching, recording our show. And I'm Eric. They just needed a third. On today's show, Tristan will sing, first and foremost. That's the most important thing. Tristan, what are you going to sing today? Any
1: ideas? <laughs> it's a beautiful Thursday. <laughs> da, 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 da. By the way, we have to be very clear on a very important detail about this they are not Red Sox.
0: Okay. Um. What else on today's show? My fascination with baseball reference is going to the next level. <laughs> it's really high. I'm on it all the time now. I'm watching old baseball games, and I'm just going through like you know, like what's it called, like a rabbit hole of like stuff on baseball reference. Wormhole.
1: Wormhole, isn't it?
0: Wormhole. Yes. It could be a rabbit hole too. That right? I mean,
1: bigger. Yeah, we're digging even deeper. I like yours. We'll go. That's with how
0: deep holes. this this hole is. Is that I'm like, like I'm right now as we're doing the show. I'm watching Schilling against the Yankees. And I can't go to Baseball Reference because I'm hosting the show. But, like, last night I was watching a bunch of different walk-off games. And I'm going through and I'm looking stuff up. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. I should start tweeting again. I've lost so many Twitter followers. And I should start tweeting just, like, here's what I'm noticing on Baseball Reference. And, like, see what people say. Because mm-hmm. uh, the, res- the response would be, you know, you're, you know, something political or something dumb. But
1: No, people are being nice. They like to hear the interaction. I've been doing a couple of those videos and things on Facebook. And, you know, there, there are people out there who are happy just to hear our voices or see our faces. I mean, I you know, know. So we're trying. Do, um, let's
0: do, so I'm watching the end of the, um, the Florida World Series win, OK, against, uh, against Cleveland. Yeah, And Jim Eisenreich was playing first base in the final inning of the game. That was a walk-off win for Miami. But he's playing first base. I'm like, well, that's interesting. He was a Philly. I really liked him. Let me look up his numbers. He batted 324 for the Phillies over more than 1,500 plate appearances. He was really good.
1: Yes. Yeah. I was a fan I'm, of his. He was, good he was underrated a great player. player. Play.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll start tweeting stuff I notice on baseball because I'm noticing a million things on baseball reference. And we should get – we'll probably get to this at some point. Um, they're simulating the season and yeah. it's cool. And I'm noticing a lot of things like – Today, I noticed there were like 15 home runs in this Red Sox-Orioles game. So clearly, the baseball is juiced again, or even juiced more than it was.
1: They've decided, huh? There we go. Definitive word. The projections say. (laughs) Let's test your – want to test your rabbit hole knowledge here now, since you've been digging deep on that baseball reference?
0: Yes, sure. You want to do trivia?
1: Yes. What do you got? Trivia trivia that eric might not know and i say mike because you might get this one so so wait people you can't see this but we're on skype he's
0: dancing as he's singing
2: he's a complete package he's a five tool kind of guy
0: are you seeing this kyle
2: i am and I'm
0: with your phone and <laughs> dancing and tweet that out see what i can do <laughs> I, I, he's remarkable do you have trivia or you just want to be John
1: Travolta? Inside? I do have trivia. Actually, it's it's fitting that you said five-tool here because the question is a little bit about uh, the multi-tool players in fantasy baseball. It's about 30-30 players. Right. And Eric and Kyle, I want to see how many of these you know. We'll get to the answer later in the show. We'll come back to it. We'll give people some, some of a uh, chance to think. But I'd like you to name the seven players who were in spring training camps this year who have a 30-30 season on their resume in the majors. Well, okay. see if you can name the seven. We'll get back to it later in the show and take the guesses. But I'm throwing it and letting you think about it. Let it marinate a little. Seven.
2: Okay. Seven, seven of seven. them. Not seven instances. Seven different players.
1: Seven players have done it. One of them did it twice and all the others did it once. Okay. Seven players who were in spring training camps this year have a 30-30 season on their resume.
0: Hey, um what else we have on today's show? I don't know. Let's just move on. You wanna sing the buzz while you're at it and dance?
1: The buzz. Yeah. Buzz.
0: <laughs> well, there really is no news. Uh okay, we do have some news. A couple people tweeted us back after one of the recent shows. I don't even know I don't even know what today is. But one of the recent shows we were talking about the buzz saw, and that of course is Chad dealing with Buzzsaw.
2: Billing's is that the Batman theme? I'm all in. I'm energetic Tristan dancing and singing. I like this.
0: Yeah, what's going on
2: today? I mean, I'm cool with it, but like, um, so
0: is there, there's no news. So let's just move on to the simulation. So, so Baseball Reference is simulating the season. They're like a week in. Philadelphia's already in last place because the Marlins took three out of four from them. So I am noticing a lot of home runs, but they can't possibly know whether the home run ball is going to be like 2018 or 2019. But there's a bunch of players, man, hitting a lot of home runs. Marcus Semyon has five home runs in the first week of the season. And certainly I don't want to say he was being faded in fantasy purposes and drafts, but I don't think people were coveting him. Most, most people did not think he was going to have that same season. Again, Justin Upton's already at least four home runs. We talked about him on the last show, but when it comes to Semyon, do you have any thoughts there? I mean, Obviously, the Sims believe that what he did last season is legit.
1: Yeah, and I think there's reason to believe that what he did was legit. Let's dig up what we had in his final 52 games of last year. Batted 313 with 16 home runs, and it was supported by big improvements in terms of the overall skills. Uh, Much better contact. Not only that, much better defense. So that fuels the playing time. The contact fuels the batting average. And while I don't think he could keep up that rate of home runs or that rate of batting average over a 162-game season or whatever the number is for this year, I also don't think he regresses a severe amount. He, he was one that I moved up a lot during the rankings the more I researched him during the offseason. I'd have to think you're a big fan of him too. I
0: am, but I didn't rank him that well. I ranked him in the 70s off the top of my head. I mean, I don't think I ranked him... Well, based on his numbers from last year, he was a top 10 hitter on our player rater net last year, right? Because of the run scored, the power, he stole some bases, hit for average, he was durable. So I have to think he was, I can't find the player rater, but I have to think he was among the top 10 hitters, and I'm ranking him in like the 70s, which doesn't seem like to, to match up with that. So maybe I'm not ranking him well enough. I don't want to change my rankings based on simulations on another site, but if I'm missing something and I need to rank him better, then I should. Justin Upton, same thing. I mean, he's got four homers in a week. Uh, He's got 13 runs batted in and 28 at-bats. So, obviously, there's people on base for him. We knew that. Rendon, Trout, obviously, Fletcher, if he's leading off, gets on base. But, obviously, I don't want to say obviously, maybe I'm just not looking it up in the right way. We mentioned that on the last show. So,
1: So Semyon's finish, interestingly enough, he was a great, points league player he was the number four hitter overall in fantasy points last year which speaks to the improved contact so he's a much better player there he was not in the top 10 in terms of overall rotisserie he was 36th overall so i think from yours and my perspectives rankings wise i understand why he'd be at 70 we expect a little bit of regression and that's not a bad ranking but if we were ranking for points we have to be pretty close to all in
0: yeah well durability played every game I mean, I said top 10 hitter, so maybe he was top 20 borderline hitter, but
1: I think he was um, top 20. Yeah, looking at this, that's he was fair. top 20.
0: So I'm, I read every box score in the Phillies Marlins series, and I'm actually reading every Phillies box score. So Jonathan VR, this is interesting. He's three for eight on the season in stolen base attempts. And why is that interesting? The simulation believes that his stolen base totals are, uh, of last year and maybe the year before are based on volume, not efficiency. And that could be a problem. If he's getting caught half the time, which is just odd, it just seems like an odd thing. Now they did face the Phillies, and JT Realmuto is one of the top throwing, maybe the top throwing catcher in baseball. But I found that odd. I mean, he's getting on base, he's hitting for average, but man, that's a lot of caught. He's got five caught stealing in the first week. Mm-hmm. That can't be something that happens. I don't know. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's curious. The other thing that's curious is that despite that, the Marlins are six and one in the simulation. Very, very odd there, I think. Uh, And they're doing it mainly by pretty good starting pitching from the look of it. Caleb Smith, Sandy Alcantara. And you and I have talked quite a bit about the fact that the Marlins pitching staff does have some nice values that are going to sneak beneath the radar for people. Uh, I mean, we've mentioned Alcantara many times, but also Pablo Lopez is on there. Smith I'm a big fan of. Uh, You can even make the case for – is it Elisa or Elijah Hernandez? I think it's Elijah Hernandez.
0: I think the entire rotation is coming at a value. Nobody's thinking about these guys now. You know, I'm thinking about Alcantara. I have him in, in labor and at least something else. I have Alcantara and Lopez in a sim league. Um, I don't know if Urania is starting or relieving. But for Demi starting. For them he's starting. I'm fading Brandon Kinsler. Um, I was I almost picked Yumi Garcia in a um, in a sim league today actually, and then I looked up how many home runs he allowed, and I was like. Wow, that's a lot of home runs for Dodger Stadium. And he got like 15 home runs in like his 70 innings. I'm like, that's unbelievable. I don't, I, Ryan Stanek could, could fit in here, as, but they're all underrated. Caleb Smith, the big strikeout guy, like, I think Alcantara makes strides. You're right. That's an underrated uh, rotation that nobody's thinking about. You know, I mentioned uh, Real Muto. I want to bounce this off you. Tell me if I'm nuts. So the, the misguided Philadelphia media seems to believe that the Phillies have no choice but to re sign. Uh, JT Real Muto to a new five-year deal. And the reason is not just because he's the best catcher in baseball, but because of what they spent to get him. And they keep saying this annoying line, which bothers me. Well, they wouldn't have traded for him if they knew they were going to lose him. And I keep thinking, that's ridiculous. It's a sunk cost that you traded Sixto Sanchez and Jorge Alfaro to get the player. And I was thinking, do fantasy managers think the same way as real people in real life? Yes, the Phillies would love Real Muto on a five-year deal. If it costs what the Goldschmidt deal was, then maybe not. But they would love to get him back. But the reason they want him back is because he's the best catcher, not because of what they, the investment they made in him. They're saying, well, they, they wouldn't have traded 6 though if they only got two years. Well, maybe they would have because they thought they could win now. But that's not the reason why you do it. So in fantasy, Tristan, if you make a trade for a guy you can only keep for two years – Is that ridiculous? If you can't extend him, you would do it all the time in in an effort to win. Obviously, there are different things here, real life and and fantasy players, but do you ever think that way at all?
1: They're separate decisions, and this comes down to the psychology of the game, and this is leaning heavily on the psychology of the game, and I think it's a big mistake and it's a trap for fantasy managers. So they're frankly separate things. That's why you hear teams in the real game when they make trades like this. They want that negotiation window to try to extend the player or in the Phillies case, if those two things were tied, this deal should already have been done and they should have already done the overpay in the the first case right after they made the trade. Fantasy-wise, if you're making that trade for a guy, as you describe, for the next two seasons only and you know that's all you get, you're making that decision at the time of the trade. You're not worrying about the extension for that kind of player. You make those decisions either together or you separate them, and they should have absolutely no effect on one another whatsoever.
0: I think in fantasy, all the time I'm trading young players for, for proven veterans, even if I'm like, I traded for Nelson Cruz in a league. I didn't care if I only got two years out of him. I wanted to try to win now. Now, obviously, in real life, it's different. But I still think these people are looking at it the wrong way. You want to keep Real Muto because he's a great catcher, not because you traded Sixto. If Sixto Sanchez's arm blew up today, would that be a reason to look at Real Muto differently? Of course not. It has nothing, They have nothing to do with each other. The investment, anyway. Just a, a little rant on my side. Um, what else are you noticing here in the um, in the Sims? Now, I don't see a leaderboard, so I can't really see. Like, do you I've see one? The on? mm-hmm. They do.
1: Yeah. They do. Okay. If you go to the main, if you go to the main site, there's one that's the league summary. The league summary has uh, the overall rankings page. It's kind of like the spring training stats they would have normally. So just to give you an idea of some of the more important uh, stats for fantasy, there's two pitchers who have gotten up to the 20 strikeout threshold for the year, having made multiple starts. That's Walker Bueller and Garrett Cole. So the aces of those two respective staffs, uh, among guys who have won twice so far this year, and we're talking only the starters. Robbie Ray and Yu Darvish both won both of their starts. Uh, for the year, see if I can get you an ERA leaderboard for that, if anybody from the two. So that's the thing. You can't you can't eliminate the guys based on qualifications. Uh, but two start guys who might not have given up a run. Well, low ERA for a two start guys. Max Scherzer at 060. Big surprise. You mentioned VR. That was an interesting thing I noticed, too, as well. If you want to take the stolen base leaders. Let me sort. Let me sort. <laughs> I love While you're when... doing that. Yeah, right, go ahead. So um, go ahead. I'm looking at the
0: the results from uh, last night's Sims. Trevor Bauer had a save for the Reds, which I don't think speaks to a role change. But I am interested in the lineups that they're simming out, as opposed to what the real teams are going to do. Like the Mets lineup had Jeff McNeil batting fifth and Ahmed Rosario leading off. And I had never even considered that the Mets might not lead off Jeff McNeil. The Phillies lineup had Roman Quinn leading off. I'm not even sure Adam Hazley was on the team. But they think Roman Quinn should be leading off. And they had Reese Hoskins batting second, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, I'm looking at, so I wrote about Toronto's outfield in a story the other day. And I was like, man, nobody in this outfield takes a walk, which I thought was interesting. So I'm looking at the box score here from this Reds-Jays game, Botto, leading off, which he should be, but he won't be. Um, wow, they had Derek Fisher batting second. And then Vlad third. But Gritschik Guriel, Teoscar Hernandez, Teoscar's already got uh, four home runs four the homers. first week. Yep. So, are we underestimating Toronto's outfield? We know that Grichuk and Teoscar have power, but they don't get on base. Lourdes Guriel is one of those guys that's really tough to—it's tough to rank because the numbers that he put up in half a season last year. I wrote in the Jays article he was like number twenty in slugging from the day he was promoted back to the majors in late May. Number 20 in the league in slugging. And nobody's drafting him that way. He's going in like round 17 or something. So how do you view this Toronto outfield? And Biggio, because I wrote that Biggio was a fade because of the batting average, but I don't believe that. I, I want him in my league because so he's a 2020 guy. But your thoughts on Blue Jays, guys?
1: I, I think that because of the, how, enti- how enticing the infield is with those three young players, Biggio, Bichette and Guerrero. I think people are forgetting a lot about a lot of the other players who can end up being potential late round or end of your draft or AL only values. Uh, we mentioned Hernandez, uh, Travis Shaw is one who fit into that description. I think Danny Jansen behind the plate is a good discount catcher. If you're going very cheap at the position, you mentioned Fisher. I'm not a big fan of Fisher, but in terms of one of your last outfielders, he's probably going to play a decent amount. So fine with throwing a buck or two his way in an AL only league. I'm I'm forgetting one other. Well, Grichik's probably in center field. I'm missing one more. Isn't there a fourth man in that outfield? Oh, well, you mentioned Guriel as well. This is the Gurriel's thing. Guriel's the
0: Gurriel. key guy. Guriel's the key guy there because he might be batting like third or fourth for that team.
1: Yeah. So this is the interesting. He falls in between the, these groups. The the no na- The quote no names and then the three young stars. And I lean more towards Gurriel being a definitive fantasy force, and I think one of the reasons that people have been down on him this preseason is that we thought of him as a middle infield qualified player, and now he's an outfield qualified player, and I think that's allowing people to just forget that he exists. But as you said, he performed very well down the stretch, and he's had times during his major league career where he's been a very productive fantasy player, not just that brief uh, period at the end of last season. I think he's a nice value. And I've seen him going in the, the te- early teens rounds and drafts.
0: Yeah, if you ask me for, like, if I did a story on players that are going after, like, round 15 that I think could end up as top 20 hitters, I think he'd have to be mentioned. I'm not saying he will end up that way, and I would love his walk rate to be a little bit higher. But, man, he's really enticing. He, he's probably being drafted wrong, I have to admit. Um, and I have him, I think I have him in the Otnu League at second base, which is awesome. But you're right. I hadn't thought about that. When people look at a guy who's a second baseman, they think of a different offensive player than an outfielder. They don't think of an upside for power the way this guy can do it. So that's kind of interesting.
1: I think think people have this, oh man, he didn't qualify at the position where I thought I could maximize his value. Like a catcher qualifying somewhere else, say at first base, or I think Victor Martinez had a year where he was—he began catcher. at DH only. And everybody was kind of like, oh, man, I can't use him at catcher. He's so much less attractive to me as a fantasy draft pick. And I think it's a trap. And I think it's a trap very much so in Gurriel's case.
0: Oh, I, I agree. It's an interesting choice there. Um, Do you want a couple the,
1: the other Go stats? Ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so I'll, I'm going to throw a, a terrible start player just to – which I've just found kind of interesting, Pete Alonso. Two for 14 with 13 strikeouts, and he only has one extra base hit. It was a double. The leader in steals, who I was looking for before, was Malik Smith with six. And you got to give love to the, the, the fans who, who hunt me down over Alberto Mondesi. He's off to a really good start. He's got two homers, four stolen bases, and he's batting four fifty-five. You
0: know, we all rank Pete Alonso wrong. You know that. I, I know it, and I did it, and I still didn't change it. He's not hitting 50. He would not hit 50 home runs in a full season of 162 games. And no, of course not. We, we, but we ranked him ahead of, like, Anthony Rizzo and Goldschmidt, most of us. Or, or the, the public viewed him that way because of the season he had. But there's risk that Alonzo's baseline in years after – well, let's say Alonzo next season. Say next 162 game season is a 162-game season. Would it surprise you if Alonzo hit like 35 home runs, about a 250, and was basically Edwin Encarnacion? No. But we're ranking him better than Rizzo, Goldschmidt, Josh Bell. What, so what gives? Why are we still ranking him this way? Now, and it's not because of the Sims. I've been thinking this for a month. We're ranking Pete Alonso as if he's going to do that again, but he's probably not going to do that again. Nobody's ever done that. Hit that many home runs and then done it again.
1: Yeah, and I mean, in his case, that at 235 whiffed nearly 29% of the time. He had trouble with anything that was off-speed or braking uh, during the second half of last season, so the league was beginning to catch up with him you 're right i 've pointed this out that i, I don 't think he has much of a or wouldn 't have had much of a chance of repeating the fifty homers because the track record of young players, especially who have reached that threshold in their repeat year they do regress and it 's just the natural regression it 's not oh they 've gotten worse as baseball players. I think the reason we 're projecting where we where we, uh, we are is his age he 's in the prime years of his career at twenty five and I think that gives him just that slight edge over a guy like Rizzo who's more consistency and in the middle to beginning of the decline phase of his career. And I didn't have Alonzo leaps and bounds ahead of Rizzo or Josh Bell. Frankly, if it's me taking a draft approach where the industry has ranked him and where the ADP tells me I'm going to be the one who fades Alonzo and I'm going to be the one who wants to get Josh Bell, Matt Olson, Reese Hoskins, I would rather go in those directions.
0: If I ever get the chance to write a do not draft piece, Pete Alonso's probably on. Doesn't mean I don't like him. Just means the value of where he's going in drafts does not match up to what I think. If you told me Pete Alonso or Matt Chapman for the next three years, the fact that I have to think about it tells you that is ranked way too high. Chapman's going like five rounds later. Anyway, enough on Pete Alonso. I don't want to rip him. I like Pete Alonso. He's good for baseball. It's just, as a third round pick, that's just ridiculous for me. I won't do it. So. All right. I guess that's enough for the first half of the show, and we'll get to other stuff as uh, as we do these um, hash browns. So, Kyle, check in here and tell us what questions we got, and then we'll try. I can't even think of players right now who went 30-30. I, I, I'm sure I can think of a couple,
2: but well, we'll, get to the,
1: we'll get to the guesses a little after the hash browns. But, you know, all right, all right. Let's let Kyle have the floor here, right?
2: Yeah, no, I, I think I'm doing okay with these guesses. I had a weird one that came to mind. I think we're going to be okay. I think we can get five, five or six. All right, let's go. All right, hash brown number one. Hale wants to know if consistent producers gain value in a shortened season, or are you more willing to juice the orange and go with an extended streak, streaky type of player, understanding that a streak is a larger percentage of the season now?
0: I mean – I guess it depends on your league. I have leagues that are real deep leagues in which I want security of, of numbers. And I have other leagues that, you know, I, it, a shallow 10-team ESPN league, I, I know free agency is going to be buoyant with lots of stuff. So I might take a chance. But how do you define who's a streaky player? You know, I want players like, that I know are durable, that I know have been doing this for a while. Um, how do you, like, Tristan, what is a streaky player? Like, how do you even say, like, name five streaky players? I can't even name one streaky player. Who's a streaky player?
1: Who's a streaky player? Yeah, what would uh, you, for uh, that yeah. question,
0: what would you define as a streaky player?
1: I have Anthony Rizzo as a consistent player locked into my mind right now. So that's the very first thing I'm thinking of. I think of guys who typically lean towards the three true outcomes. Alonzo actually would have fallen a little bit in that for me. I think he's going to be a, a kind of peaks and valleys uh, sort of player. Uh, uh, Joey Gallo would fall into that description, I think. Okay.
0: Uh, Yeah, I I can't think of too many players like like that. I mean, like, Raphael Devers, okay, last year, I believe, off the top of my head, had two amazing months and then four average ones. And his overall season numbers, I should probably look it up and make sure I'm right. But you know I'm right about some part of that. Like, Raphael Devers had one of those seasons – where he st- I think he started like amazingly, and he finished amazingly, but the middle was like, eh, is that streaky? What is that you know what i 'm saying
1: i think I mean, that's like- the, I think that's the natural progression of this season. I think when you 're talking the top guys in the game, I think Rizzo even on the totally <laughs> on the consistent scale, would be a little bit too high to even fall necessarily into that group. I think you exclude the stars from this I, this is the other thing. I think we're we're, we're we're trying to identify styles of players here. And I think the, the direction this question is taking, which is a good one, is that I don't change the draft approach. What I do change is the in-season approach, and that is that I do not want to lean on the consistent players because you cannot make up ground over as long a period of time. One of the great things, especially about the Rotisserie League, since I'm writing about rotisserie leagues and what's the best strategy for those and how it rewards the best players you know that over six months in a rotisserie league the best team is going to come out on top because the numbers even out over time when it's a four-month season or a three-month or i really hope it's not but if it's a two-month season i'm going to need to fix problems on my team much more quickly and i'm going to go with the peaks and valleys players in order to do it i'll be chasing streaks and i'll be juicing oranges like i never have before
0: and by the way, I, I was totally wrong on Devers. I was—I had the right idea, but the wrong months. He started and ended slow. The middle was where all the numbers came in. He—he okay. he did not homer in the first in April at all, and he didn't do all that much in September. But like the middle three months were monsters. So I don't know if that makes him streak or not. It was one season. All right, let's move I,
1: on. I think I think that certain players are. I think every player is going to have a bad month. That's just baseball.
2: All right. That's fair. David wants to know if you guys are more in on steals specialists in only leagues than you are in mixed leagues.
0: Absolutely. I won't even take Malik Smith in a mixed league. I understand that he might steal 40 bases in a full season, but I can't. Like I, I've been saying a lot, I lost a very important industry league last year because while Gerard Dyson gave me lots of stolen bases, he gave me nothing in home runs and RBIs, and I did the math. If that was Ryan Braun, I win the league. I needed the home runs and RBIs more than I needed whatever Dyson stole, 25 bases. And it's not that I viewed it wrong. I thought, if that, and that's an NL-only league. I thought, okay, that might, was that last year or two years ago? Either way, Gerard Dyson was more valuable in the NL-only league. And still, having him on my roster, I think, cost me because I, could, well, I couldn't have used that money to get uh, a, a 20 homer 10 steel guy but yeah i won't take i won't take dyson or malix in a in a mixed unless it's deep uh but an AL only i will and just hope it works out better than it did for me
1: so i'm gonna pick the american league just for this uh quick analysis if you look at the american league's stolen base leaders from last year the ones who were over 25 steals for the year were malik smith with 46 mondesi with 43 vr jonathan vr with 40 elvis Anders with 31 and tommy fam with 25 and that was it So to your point, Eric, about Malik Smith and why you need to have him in an AL-only league and why you need to lean more on the one-category speedsters, there just aren't enough to populate the rosters across the league so that if you don't get one of these combo power steals guys, that you're going to be able to fill that category. If you aren't the one spending the premium to get VR, who had 24 homers and 40 stolen bases, you're going to have to find those 40 stolen bases from maybe two other players, and that might be all that they contribute to their team. And I hate to do it, but you have to do it just by what the math tells you there just isn't enough out there in an only league
2: that's fair all right ben writes in about fran mil reyes he's got over unders we're going to use these as pace numbers given that we're not going to have 162 games what he wants 30 homers 100 rbi 250 batting average you're going over under on those three categories um i
0: think in 2021 because i think at some point we're going to have to just Hello. start talking about 2021 yeah In in numbers, you know, parlance. Because if I like him for 2021, I like him this year. I think Reyes ends up a guy who hits more than 30 home runs, but doesn't necessarily knock in 100 runs. And I think 250 is right around where I would project. So, and in a way, (laughs) he's going to do something like Pete Alonso, but like 15 rounds later, which is kind of crazy to think about. We just have these guys ranked wrong. But um, I view Reyes as next season – over 145 games, hitting 35 homers, knocking in 90, and batting two forty. So I'm going
1: to take the under on two of those three. Yeah, I, what he said. <laughs> uh, look, I, I think the batting average one is what's really up for grabs here. I, I could go either direction on this because the track record said he was capable of batting better than two fifty, but then he whiffed more than 28% of the time he came to the plate. That's a problem for batting average. I, I think it's you, – you could flip a coin on that one.
0: And by the way, if the baseball goes back to what it was in 2018, doesn't that affect guys like – like we talk about guys like Catal Marte not hitting for power anymore if the baseball goes back, or Tommy LaStella. But what does it do to guys like Fran Reyes, who aren't good players? He's not like a good – he's not a defensive option at all. He doesn't walk or get on base. He just hits home runs. What is that – if the baseball goes back to normal – what does that mean for Fran Mill types?
1: I want to dig up Fran Mill's home run distance. So he averaged 408 feet with his homers, and he was 48th on that list, which is really not a bad place to be. Yeah, that was the average home run. So the average distance in terms of feet that he hit things using the StatCast data was 181 feet. That was 110th. So to your point, he might suffer a little bit more than the average player would, but I would say not to an extreme degree. I still think he's capable of a natural 30 home runs if the baseball does regress a little bit, but yeah, that is, that, that's his key part of his game.
2: I agree. Okay. We've got a question here regarding the ceiling of Frankie Montas over or under SP23. Given a full season ceiling, Frankie Montas will say over is better than SP23, under is worse. Ceiling? Ceiling. What is the best-case scenario for Frankie?
0: Well, his ceiling is obviously as a top-20 starting pitcher. He just hasn't proved it for more than half a season because then he got suspended, right? He was suspended, I believe. Yes. Um, and by the way, did you notice what they announced on the suspensions for this year? Yeah. So, like, if, if they do not play baseball this season, Domingo Hermann is not suspended for 2021. Isn't that and, interesting?
1: Yeah, and I saw that both of the Astros – the football ex-Astros uh oh, gosh. <laughs> Am I blanking already? Luno. <laughs> sure. Luno, yes, of course. Uh, also, yeah, any suspension that was handed out, yeah, it appears the decisions were made that they're going to be assumed to have been served for this year. Yeah. So
0: Montas I like, and there's some obvious reasons here. K-rate, legit. Walk rate was low. But – you think of uh, of an Oakland Athletics pitcher like Mike Fires, you think of oh you can only use him in home games. You know Montas was a lot better in road games last season. I'm looking at his ERA now 2.33 on the road, 3 at home. So he was good at home? Big K rate? But he was even better at least for ERA and WHIP on the road. When a guy in a pitcher's park does that, I'm generally in. I'm a, Should I be concerned about the positive test for PEDs? I, I guess, but What does that mean for a pitcher? Like, is it about keeping him healthy, keeping him strong? I don't know what he took. People say all the time, oh, I know. I know that PEDs do this, and I know that, you know, what the Astros did. You don't know anything. You don't know anything about what the Astros did, when they did it, how long they did it for, what it meant to Altuve. You have no idea. And the same thing on Frankie Montas. You can try to guess what his numbers will be like coming off a suspension, but you don't know. You don't know.
1: Yeah. I don't think the sample is representative enough for players who have been suspended for things that we can make any sort of judgments. And my suspicion is that the key thing it helps is durability. It's not the on-field performance game by game. I like Montas too. I agree with you. The, the key with him was he made some very specific changes to his approach, which was going heavily on splitter, going heavily on slider. And his slider graded as one of the best in the majors last year during the period of time that he was on the field – those are things that I think he can continue. He changed who he was, and I think those can translate over to the season. And by the way, if it is a shortened year, he would have been an innings cap guy. So he falls very nicely into the, the cap that he had, could extend over the entirety of the year. He could be a full-time starter and have a very good chance of getting into the top 20.
0: As this continues onward, and I think at this point we can guess some things, guys like Frankie Montas, veterans on an innings limit, and rookies like Spencer Howard and Nate Pearson and Mackenzie Gore, we need to move these guys up, way up, because Spencer Howard, like I've been saying, might make as many starts as Jake Arrieta. And we have to stop ranking guys who we think are going to be only in the majors for half a season, because now they might be in the majors the entire season. And guys like Montas on pitch on innings limits, same type of thing. Are guys coming back from injuries? Like, I, I don't know. We're, we're, my pitching rankings don't match up to reality, if this goes into June, which it's going to go into.
2: All right. Bill wants to know what your expectations are for both Joe Adele and Sonny Gray, two very different players, over the next five years.
1: What a contrast.
2: Yeah, that that one just is
0: weird. I mean, look, I think Joe Adele's future is really bright. Um, I think – but if, if, Joe, if, if, if I knew that Joe Adele was making the majors in 2021, and I had 140 games projected as a starter, 260, 22 homers, 10 steals, which probably doesn't do his upside justice. But I think it might take him a little bit of time. Like when I looked at his, when I really looked at his minor league numbers, I wasn't as impressed as I thought I would be. I think he's going to be a future star, but I think that guy Marsh on the Angels might ha- have the same numbers, but nobody's talking about him. Um, and I also might be talking out of a body part here, but, like, what are your thoughts? (laughs) Well, you know, like, we like Joe Adele. He's one of the top prospects, but he's only 20 years old, or now he's probably 21. But when I looked at his AAA numbers, I was like, that's it?
1: (laughs) I, yeah. Adele is a curious case because everybody uh, talks very, very favorably about his raw power. And then you look at his numbers and they're not eye-popping. However... I also look at things like isolated power, not just the raw homer rates, and his isolated power for his minor league career was 260, which is pretty darn good. The other thing I look at is that the scouts really do, as Eric, you said, his, the stolen base projection you gave, the scouts really like his speed, and he's 30 for 35 in his professional career stealing bases, which is a very good sign, including the fact he wasn't caught stealing a single time last year in the minors. So yeah, the, the seeds are there, but when does he arrive? To your point about Marsh, maybe Marsh arrives before him. Maybe Marsh is more consistent or adapts more quickly, and then he effectively blocks Adele for 2021. I'm I'm not sure how this is going to play out over the next calendar year and a half. I, I'm I'm interested for the next five years. I'd say the final three are going to be outstanding, but are the first year and a half going to be so so?
0: I don't know if he's an immediate star. And by the way, he attempted only seven steals over like 300 plus PA's last year, so. He was in. Maybe he was injured. I don't know. I just, I just, I like him as a prospect. I, I everybody loves him as a prospect. Sometimes we get force fed these names as top prospects, and then you look at their actual numbers—not opportunity, but numbers—and say, "Okay, how's that going to translate to the majors? Are we really looking at Joe Adele as a superstar in fantasy? Wander Franco is a superstar. Gavin Lux might be. Luis Robert could be. Dylan Carlson, Joe Adele. i just don't know. Like. Some of these guys. Anyway, moving on to Sonny Gray. I'm just saying, with Joe Odell, I don't think there's great opportunity for this season. So be careful And if we do play this year. For next year, I'll probably end up fading him because I think the name is going to overshadow the actual numbers, if that's fair. He might not be any better than, like, Alex Kirillov next year. Mm-hmm. But people are going to draft him that way because the prospect people are telling us this is a future star. With Sonny Gray, everything that I looked up on Sonny Gray when I was doing research looked like that was a legit season. He did it with the baseball being the way it was in Cincinnati. Um, strikeout rate, that was fantastic. Like, where did that strikeout rate come from? I, I love what Sonny Gray did last season, and I think it was all pretty legit. And he, he was fine at home, you know, where the home runs get hit. He, he kept yeah. the ball down. I think I – think, I don't have Sonny Gray ranked to the top 20 starter, but he's probably – he's got to be close to that.
1: So he got reunited with his college pitching coach, if I recall, in Cincinnati, and some of the things that just did not work with the Yankees did return, and that was specifically the great performance of his slider and curveball. He needed those breaking pitches, and he needed to locate them well. So it was a lot more like the true Sonny Gray came back uh, with Cincinnati. However, it was still one of the best-case scenarios, so I would just be careful expecting a a flat repeat of that year. But I do think if you want to average – the three best years that he had, and I'll throw that Yankee A's combo year in here. If those three best years with the A's together take the average and assume that that's his next three seasons, I'm fine with that. I think you're evaluating him correctly. Then.
0: And, and he's one of the Babip guys from last year, where you say, how, does, how did he have a 200 inning se- 175 inning season of a 255 Babip? That's unlikely to stay the same. So if you ask me Z Ray, I'm not saying it's 287 again, it's more like 330, but that's still a very good pitcher. Speaking of BABIP, I don't know if you checked this out, but Dave Schoenfield, our buddy, um, he wrote up every team's um, player who was a one-time, like, like one and gone. Like, yeah. who had that one, one season. Hit wonders. Mm-hmm. One-hit wonders. That's exactly the term. And I was fascinated reading that those pieces because there's so many pitchers throughout history. Who, Buzz Capra had one season— and then he was done, whether it's injury or whether it's Babbitt was 210 that year, and that's why he overcame it. Philly was Jim Constanti. You really should go read it or Google it. I don't know where it's posted. But Dave Schoenfield, he had two, co- two columns, one on each league, and uh, it was really kind of cool. And he has another one, a cool one coming up soon, which is yep. every team's top, um, what, overrated prospect? It was uh, the
1: most hyped prospect, yes, yes
0: which I can't wait to read. That, that's stuff that's really cool. So check it out. Anyway. Mm-hmm.
2: Eric, last question for you is how many of these 30-30 guys are going to get? I, th- I have a list of seven guesses now because <laughs> you said Ryan Braun. So that helps me.
1: Let's throw the question again. The question was that there were seven players who were in spring training camps this year who have had a 30-30 season in the majors sometime during their career. So let's Did see they, how many it, we got.
0: I, I, we're going to get the obvious ones. And then you saying in camps... I got one that I shouldn't get, but yes. I'll get to that.
1: Okay, so, so let, where are we starting with our guesses?
0: Kyle, you want to do the obvious ones? Trout, Acuna,
2: Yelich feel obvious. Mookie, Trout,
1: Acuna, and Yelich are obvious. Those are three of the obvious ones, and Mookie is the fourth obvious one. Oh wow! Okay, I didn't. obvious. Even...
0: Mookie, Mookie, and Jose Ramirez did it in 2018.
1: Okay, so Jose Ramirez is the one that's you know guessable, but not. Immediately recalled by people.
0: Now, okay, Ryan so Braun, uh, the MVP, it was not the MVP year. It was, it was the gross. year before. He did it the year after the MVP year, but he cheated. But Ryan he Braun did it. did it, right? Correct.
1: And you and I just saw a neat stat about Ryan I Braun. Saw that with the steals. Yeah, which is part of what made me think of this question. Ryan Braun is the one that I think listeners are going to have a little bit of a tough time recalling as well. So good job. Now, the last one is okay. a really tough one.
2: I I think I got this, and Eric does too. We got – so we have six. I have two guys for this spot. I want to hear Eric's guest first.
0: Well, I think there's two guys that were in camp this year that are no longer there that both went 30-30. One is is Ian Kinsler. And the other – I had Will Myers. Ian
1: Kinsler retired in December.
2: Okay. So he doesn't count?
1: But, but you are correct. Ian Kinsler, I believe, is one who had two 30 30 seasons.
0: Will Myers never made it. He came I wasn't close. sure.
2: I knew he was close.
0: I, I know this guy. I know he's in camp because I was like, I was trying to figure out how his role could be on a team supposedly rebuilding, but not really rebuilding.
1: Okay. Well, they're not rebuilding, they're contending. You didn't, you didn't know? Well, Baseball they, reference they just, says. They just took three out of four from the Phillies. It's Matt Kemp, right? <laughs> it is Matt Kemp. Well, Oh called. my
2: God. It never in a million years would I have had him on a roster.
0: When he signed with oh. Miami this offseason, I was like, what are they doing? And I was thinking, and then they traded Austin Dean. And I thought, are they really going to play this guy? But, you know, they have a bunch of outfielders that I don't think are all that good. So like, is Lewis Brinson ever going to do anything? And then who's oh. that Harold Ramirez they have? Yeah. But there's no way – there's no path for Matt Kemp to play on that team.
1: And the Yankee no. – the, the Yankee catcher, I feel uh, – gosh, who's the other one? They have another decent outfielder out there. And I remember he went in Tout Wars and now I'm forgetting his name. It escapes me.
0: Um, let me look it up. But, <laughs> yeah. yes, I, as soon as you said that, my first guess was Matt Kemp because I know that that's like – you know, when you say the question that way, um, they have Garrett Cooper yeah. – they have Matt Joyce,
1: Garrett
0: yeah. Garrett Cooper actually was. Uh, I took him in a sim league. A reverse. He uh, hit righties, but not lefties. I, I, they have Corey Dickerson. So there's no way. I don't think Matt Kemp makes that team. But still, good question. Yeah. Do that in every I love show. Why not? I love
1: this. Eric Carabel does the question the tough way before going back to the easy stuff. I love when that stuff is is what happens. And by the way, Matt Kemp with the role. He, if you do this on baseball reference and try to find these players, Ian Kinsler does show up still as an active player. They have not deleted him as a a guy who did retire, but he did. The other on that list is one who could have a role, who had a role last year with the Red Sox that could be like Kemp's, and that is Hanley Ramirez. Apparently hasn't retired, not in spring training camps, but they could try to use him like the Red Sox did Ramirez, kind of wedge him under the roster to match lefties. Yeah, that's good stuff. So,
2: that's a good call right now.
0: Good call. And uh let's do that again on the next show. We'll do yeah, more trivia. Sure. Um Matt Camp is in still a member of the Miami Marlins. I, I don't know if he's in the forty man, but he's he's he was in Don camp. Shouldn't be. And alright, alright. All
1: right.
0: Do all
2: right. All right, we have anything else we have to get to? No, that's, that's all we got. Trivia was that was a highlight of my show. Before, you know, Tristan dancing and singing to kick things off was pretty good.
1: Now um, I'm dancing. Yeah, oh,
2: I'm circle. I love this.
1: Come on, Eric! Finish out the cell by dancing. No, now we yeah. need the
2: Eric uh, serious voice. Yeah, Eric's just shaking his head, man, because <laughs> he's dancing.
1: Don't make me wear my '70s hair. I'm dancing, yeah.
0: It's like Saturday Night well, Fever here. It's just dancing, man. All right, we're done. Thank you so much for watching, for listening to Fantasy Focus Baseball. Been a tough day here, but now it's time for me to go on Baseball Reference for the rest of the day and watch Netflix. Hope you all enjoyed our show. We will be, please be careful, everybody. Be careful. It's April now. There will be no baseball play this month, but hopefully we'll have two podcasts a week and we'll be back on Monday for Kyle and Tristan dancing. I am Eric. Have an awesome weekend.